The Secret Church Podcast is a resource from Radical.net. For The Secret Church 18 Study Guide and other resources that go along with this audio, visit Radical.net slash SC18. This is Secret Church 18, Episode 5. Who are Jehovah's Witnesses? They identify themselves as followers of God who believe that Jehovah is God's one true name, hence the name Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses began with Charles Taze Russell in 1872. Little background, Russell grew up in the church and had great difficulty with the doctrines of the Trinity and hell. Trinity and hell. So at 18, he organized a Bible class in Pittsburgh and the Bible student movement in the 1870s began teaching his view of those doctrines. In 1879, he began co-publishing the teachings in the Herald of the Morning Magazine. In 1884, he controlled the publishing and renamed the magazine The Watchtower, announcing Jehovah's Kingdom and founded Zion's Watchtower Tract Society, now known as the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society. So follow this. Circulation of the first edition of the Watchtower magazine was 6,000 copies per month. Today, the publishing complex in Brooklyn, their current headquarters, produces 100,000 books and 800,000 copies of its magazine per day. Day. Not year. Day. These magazines and books are everywhere. You may know them when you see them. You may not know them when you see them. They're everywhere. Stores, storefronts. I was at the Department of Motor Vehicles the other day. There was a huge display in front of these with books and magazines. And I was like, oh, people have so much time to read inside this place. This is a horrible place for these to be. Talk about, and, and, and you look at them, they're like, finding true life. Is the Bible relevant today? Can the Bible help me have a happy family? A balanced view of money? Or not? It seems practical, helpful, even biblical. All this to say, they claim to have a circulation of 42 million copies of every issue of the Watchtower, making its circulation larger than any other magazine in the world. The second largest magazine in the world also belongs to them. It's called Awake with a circulation of 41 million copies for every issue. So needless to say, the Jehovah's Witnesses publishing arm is active. It all started with Charles Taze Russell, who claimed the Bible could only be understood according to his interpretations. Again, key characteristic of a cult. After Russell's death in 1916, Joseph Franklin Rutherford became president of the Watchtower Society. And in 1931, Rutherford changed the name of the organization to the Jehovah's Witnesses. Jehovah's Witnesses believe they are the only pure religion. Interpreting the Bible as the early Christians did before it was corrupted in the third and fourth centuries. They're known for their ministry through door-to-door visits and through distribution of literature. They refer to their place of worship as a kingdom hall. A few unique perspectives associated with Jehovah's Witnesses. They do not normally celebrate Christmas or Easter since Jesus' death is what saves. They do not celebrate birthdays because such celebrations have pagan roots. They do not, and you don't see them in the Bible, except a couple times negatively. They do not accept blood transfusions because they believe the Bible prohibits ingesting blood. Their clergy are unpaid and tithing is not practiced. Clergy unpaid, tithing not practiced. They believe that Jesus is the king of God's kingdom and that he began ruling in 1914. Here's how they get that. From the, this from the official Jehovah's Witness site, again, similar to what we discussed with LDS.org, Revelation 12, 6, four, 6 and 14 indicates that three and a half times equals 1,260 days. Seven times would therefore last twice as long or 2,520 days, but the Gentile nations did not stop trampling on God's rulership a mere 2,520 days after Jerusalem's fall. Evidently then, this prophecy covers a much longer period of time on the basis of Numbers 14.34 and Ezekiel 4.6, which speak of a day for a year. The seven times would cover 2,520 years. The 2,520 years you follow when this began in October 607 BCE when Jerusalem fell to the Babylonians. The Davidic king was taken off his throne. The period ended in October 1914. At that time, the Appointed time 
times of the nations ended and Jesus Christ was installed as God's heavenly king. Just as Jesus predicted, his presence as heavenly king has been marked by dramatic world developments, war, famine, earthquakes, pestilences. Such developments bear powerful testimony to the fact that 1914 indeed marked the birth of God's heavenly king in the beginning of the last days of this present wicked system of things. So 1914 marked the birth of God's heavenly kingdom, which also happened to be the start of World War I. Jehovah's Witnesses believe that only 144,000 people will be resurrected to live with Jehovah in heaven and rule with Jesus in his kingdom. That based on Revelation 7, which we'll look at. And Jehovah's Witnesses believe that God will raise billions from the dead and many who are now living may still be saved. Now, I just rattle off a lot of unique perspectives and probably all of them you're thinking, wait, 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 what, what? So, uh, those are good questions, like how did they get there and how does that work? Uh, but we don't have time to explore all those tonight. So feel free to dive in on your own. own consider this a teaser. Uh, today, Jehovah's Witnesses claim over 8 million members worldwide, including over 1.2 million members in the United States. And this only includes those who actively preach or spread their faith. So they have sought to eliminate any concept of nominal, like in name only, Jehovah's Witnesses, which leads to the question, what do Jehovah's Witnesses believe? And simply put, Jehovah's Witnesses say they strive to adhere to the form of Christianity that Jesus taught and that his apostles practiced. Simple enough. But let's dive into what specifically they believe and teach about God. One, they teach, as we've already mentioned, that God's one true name is Jehovah. You see, we worship the one true and almighty God, the creator whose name is Jehovah. And Jehovah is definitely a biblical name for God in the language of the Old Testament Hebrew. Jehovah's Witnesses, however, teach that the Trinity is unbiblical. So it's not in the Bible, which... I and other followers of Christ would readily acknowledge the word Trinity is not in the Bible, but Jehovah's Witnesses go further. They believe there is one God, that Jesus was created as a lesser God, and that the Holy Spirit is a force, not a divine person. So you see these differences from the start when it comes to belief about God. Jesus is not equal with God the Father. The Holy Spirit is not a person at all. This was Charles Taze Russell's attempt to explain the confusion he heard in the church about the Trinity. When it comes to scripture and authority, Jehovah's Witnesses recognize the Bible as God's inspired message to humans. They use the New World Translation of the Holy Scriptures, published in 1961 by the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society. New World Translation. That translation contains various modifications which align with Jehovah's Witnesses' doctrine. For example, John 1.1, in an Orthodox translation, says in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We've already seen that tonight. New World Translation says in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was a God. So we'll talk about that more in depth in a minute, but that sort of modification marks the new world translation of the Bible. When it comes to man and woman, Jehovah's Witnesses teach that man has no immaterial soul. Instead, the soul is simply the life force within a person which ceases to exist at death. In their words, the soul then is the entire creature, not something inside that survives the death of the body. We'll talk more about what happens after death in a minute. What do Jehovah's Witnesses teach about Jesus? We follow the teachings and example of Jesus Christ and honor him as our Savior and as the Son of God. Thus, we are Christians. However, we have learned from the Bible that Jesus is not Almighty God, and there is no scriptural basis for the Trinity doctrine. In place of the truths we've seen in Scripture that show us the Trinity, Jehovah's Witnesses believe that Jesus was created as the archangel Michael before the world existed. So Jehovah's Witnesses believe Jesus is a created being. That's huge. Further, Jesus is a man and a lesser God. The first human that God created, Adam, is called a son of God. Similarly, the Bible teaches that Jesus was created by God. So Jesus is also called a son of God. Created similar to Adam, Jesus then died on a simple stake. His resurrection was spiritual, not physical. So not a physical resurrection from the dead, but a spiritual resurrection followed by a second coming that occurred spiritually and invisibly in 1914. As we mentioned, 
spiritually and invisibly in 1914. How does this relate to salvation? According to Jehovah's Witnesses, people can experience ransom from their sin and its penalty through Jesus' death. Ransom. And how did Jehovah provide the ransom? He sent one of his perfect spirit sons to the earth, but Jehovah did not send just any spirit creature. He sent the one most precious to him, his only begotten son. Jesus' death on the cross provides ransom from sin and death, which leads to requirements for eternal life. How can one receive this ransom? Through faith in Jesus and through identification with Jehovah's Witnesses. To benefit from Jesus' sacrifice, people must not only exercise faith in Jesus, but also change their course of life and get baptism. And not just into any church, but as a Jehovah's Witnesses. As they live in obedience to Jehovah's Witnesses' teaching. That's required for eternal life. Which then leads to Jehovah's Witnesses' teaching on judgment and eternity. According to Jehovah's Witnesses, hell is not a place of eternal suffering, but the common grave for all people. So again, remember, this, is one of, this was one of Charles Taze Russell's biggest struggles with the Bible, hell. So we came to the conclusion that the wicked are annihilated, not punished forever. Not punished forever. Jehovah's Witnesses believe the people who die pass out of existence. They do not suffer in a fiery, fell, a fiery hell of torment. They believe that God will bring billions back from death by means of a resurrection. However, those who refuse to learn God's way after being raised to life will be destroyed forever with no hope of a resurrection. So all this leads to the two peoples of God, according to Jehovah's Witnesses. There are two different categories for the people of God. One is the anointed class, 144,000, who will live in heaven and rule with Christ. They believe, the anointed class, believe that Jehovah, they believe Jehovah God, Jesus Christ, and the faithful angels reside in the spirit realm. A relatively small number of people, 144,000, will be resurrected to life in heaven to rule with Jesus in the kingdom. Then the other sheep, all other believers, will live forever on a paradise earth. God created the earth to be mankind's eternal home. God will bless obedient people with perfect health and everlasting life in an earthly paradise. So that's the summary of the teachings of Charles Taze Russell and Jehovah's Witnesses. Again, much like we discussed with Mormons, we could drill down in all kinds of ways, but suffice to say, this is really important. If you look at much of what Jehovah's Witnesses publish, you listen to what much of Jehovah's Witnesses say, you would think, particularly undiscerning or new Christians who have not seriously thought about the truth of God and the truth of the gospel, you would think there's a lot that sounds Christian here. But just a quick overview makes crystal clear, this is not Christian. This is a group that claims to be in harmony with Christianity, but denies foundational Christian doctrines based primarily upon the instruction of one individual who's dictated these teachings. And in the end, it is a fraudulent imitation of the gospel that deceives and deceives people regarding their eternal destinies. Jehovah's Witnesses are a cult and counterfeit gospel that beckons us to share the gospel. So how do we share the gospel with Jehovah's Witnesses? And again, many of these things apply to sharing the gospel with anybody, but, but thinking through specifically Jehovah's Witnesses, one but pray in the spirit. Don't forget, when you are sharing in the gospel, you are engaging in spiritual battle. In the words of Ephesians 6, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, powers, and spiritual authorities of evil in the heavenly realms. Like, and then you see all this armor in Ephesians 6. What's it toward the end? So that the word of God, we would stay alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and that words would be given to us and opening our mouths boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. So what are the three essentials for any gospel conversation? There's three. There's you, there's the Spirit of God, and the Word of God, which Ephesians 6 says is the sword of God's Spirit. So pray in the Spirit and discuss Scripture. So go to the Word, confident, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, that this Word is living and active, is sharper than any two-edged sword. You're not going to be able to go wrong going with the Word, especially with people who claim to believe the Bible, albeit a different modified version of it, which we'll talk about. But discuss Scripture mutually, meaning open up the Bible together, like talk about God. 
with reverence for God. Show the glory of God's name. I put different scriptures that show different names for God that all reveal his glory. Genesis 1, 17, 1, Psalm 8. Go to the Word, talk about who God is, how we can be saved on salvation. Spend time in Ephesians 2. By grace, you've been saved through faith. It's not your own doing. It's the gift of God. Like, what does that mean? Isn't that good news? What does the Bible mean when we see that God counts belief as righteousness, Romans 4? What does it mean when Titus 3, 5 says God saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy? Open the Bible. Talk about eternity. On eternity, discuss the state of unbelievers. Like say, what do you think it means when Jesus says he will throw sinners into the fiery furnace and that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth? What does Jesus mean by eternal fire in Matthew 25? Those who will go away to eternal punishment, Matthew 25, 46. Or Revelation 14, when the Bible talks about Smoke of their torment going up forever and ever. And not just the state of unbelievers, but the state of believers. How 2 Corinthians 5, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. How death for the follower of Christ means being with Christ. Philippians chapter 1. Now, obviously what's important here is that we discuss Scripture in context. And this is where, on a side note, I just want to exhort every follower of Christ to be a student of God's Word. Like, read this Word daily. Understand it rightly. So this is not just for pastors. This is for all of us. We talked about this last year at Secret Church. How reading the Bible in the majority of the days in the week, at least four days a week, is statistically shown to have a dramatic effect on your life. That's huge. It's not just huge for you, though. It's huge for those that you have the opportunity to share the gospel with. I fear that many Jehovah's Witnesses get in conversations with Christians who for 5, 10, 15, 20 plus years have been flat out lazy with God's word. And it only takes the Jehovah's Witnesses a couple of minutes to have a follower of Christ throwing their hands up because we don't know God's word. We don't know how to study it in context. That's huge because Jehovah's Witnesses are going to be quick to take verses out of their context. You look at Revelation, for example, this classic text that Jehovah's Witnesses will pull out and say, yep, only 144,000 will live in heaven, rule with Christ, which comes from the first part of the chapter. But then uh, I wish we had time to dive in depth into Revelation chapter 7. But you keep reading the Bible in context. You've seen the last part, Revelation 7, 9 through 12. After this, I looked in great multitude that no one could number from every nation for all tribes and languages and peoples. Languages were standing before the throne and crying before the uh, before the throne, before the Lamb, crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God. And you start to dive in to what does this mean? And you start to study this passage together in context. You realize that we've got different things going on in Revelation here that don't say 144,000 people are the only people that are going to reign in God's kingdom in heaven. So you can't have those kind of conversations if you're not a student of God's word. Like pray in the spirit, discuss scripture. As you do, focus on God as Jehovah. Obviously, when you're talking with Jehovah's Witnesses, speak about God as Jehovah. It's good, right? Biblical thing to do. Exodus 3, 15. That's the most common name for the Lord in the Old Testament, 6,000 times in the Old Testament. So have conversations. And then, so here's the deal. Here's the, where I want to get really practical. And then we'll, we'll, we'll bring this part to a close. Focus on Jesus as God. So I'm going to use a, a helpful, simple illustration that I heard from a guy named Greg Kugel, who I've mentioned uh, different points in Secret Church uh, before. And I wish I did put this in the back of your study guide. You might take a note. He wrote a great book called Tactics, A Game Plan for Discussing Your Christian Convictions. So Tactics. But anyway, he used this illustration. And he said, all right, obviously it's not possible to understand the Trinity exhaustively. But how do you show Jesus is God according to the Bible? That's actually pretty simple. So basically, this is the encouragement. Next time somebody knocks at your door, you don't need to go searching for a systematic theology textbook to study there. Uh, so this is a simple illustration. You can just write out on a napkin. And, and you don't have to be able to counter every single argument that might come your way. Like, just keep the conversation focused on the napkin, all right? And so the whole goal is to show that the Bible teaches that Jesus is God. 
So look at John 1, 1, beginning was the word, word was with God, the word was God. We've already talked about New World Translation modifies that. The word was a God, key insertion. Now you could sit there at that point, you can try to debate Greek grammar, but uh, the reality is neither of you really knows or understands the intricacies of Greek grammar. So don't waste your time there. Just move a couple verses down to John 1, 3. There the Bible says, all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. And this time, the New World Translation is pretty much the same. All things came to existence through him, and apart from him, not even one thing came into existence. So, boom, right there. You might even have your visitor read that verse out loud, so they're really thinking about it. And pull out the napkin, scrap a piece of paper, just say something along the lines of, let's think about everything that exists. You write that out, so this is drawn in your notes, everything that exists. And explain, let's imagine this box represents everything that exists. And then you draw a line down the middle and separate everything that exists into two categories. Say something like, if this box represents everything that exists, let's think about anything that exists that never came into being. So on the left, left side of the box, you write that, all things that never came into being. Then ask the question, what goes in that box? And your visitor should answer, God which is the right answer. God alone is eternal and uncreated. So put God on the left, high, left hand side of the box. Then say, let's think about anything that comes into being and write all things that came into being on the right side there, which is basically all created things. So go ahead and write that in the box on the right side. All, all created things. Then say, all right, according to John 1.3, all created things came into being through Jesus, right? So basically ask your friend if that makes sense according to this verse which is exactly what the first part of John 1-3 says. So write, created through Jesus outside the box and draw an arrow pointing up to all created things. Then step back, summarize for a second what you've seen. Basically, everything that exists falls into one of two categories. Larger box, everything that exists. Left side, everything that never came into being. Right side, things that came into being. So everything's either created or not created. Nothing can be in both categories. Nothing can be created and not created. It's pretty simple. Everything is either in one or the other. That leads to the big question. Okay, what category does Jesus belong in? So maybe you pull out a coin, represent Jesus, say, here's a coin to represent Jesus. Give it to your friend. And you ask him or her, place the coin in the box where Jesus belongs. With the coin in their hand, the first impulse of a Jehovah's Witness is going to be to put the coin in the category of all things that came into being. Because Jehovah's Witnesses believe that God created Jesus. Jesus is a created thing. So they'll want to do that. But John 1.3 won't allow that. New World Translation. All things came into existence through him. And apart from him, not even one thing came into existence. That's what it says. Like not even one thing. You look at it and John says it. He says it really twice in two different ways. All things came into existence through him. Apart from him, not even one thing came into existence. So if Jesus created all things to come into existence, as that verse says, the drawing makes clear, then Jesus must have existed before all created things came into existence. Therefore, the word Jesus could not have been created. In other words, if Jesus created everything that comes into being, and Jesus also came into being, as Jehovah's Witnesses would say, then that would mean Jesus created himself. He would have had to exist as creator before he existed as a created thing, which is impossible. Absurd, really. Therefore, Jesus can't be placed in the square labeled all things that came into being. Jesus can't be in the box on the right side. And if Jesus can't be in the box on the right side with created things, then he must go on the left with uncreated things, identifying Jesus as the uncreated creator. In other words, Jesus is God. In his own words, I and the Father are one, John 10.30. So hopefully, simple way, with a napkin, not presuming you even got it all right now, but <laughs> next time somebody's coming to the door, I just realize, where's my booklet? And find a napkin. <laughs> and just stay focused on that verse, John 1.3. Whatever translation of the Bible you have, you get to the truth that Jesus is God. A couple more thoughts here. One, feel free to give them literature. They don't have to be the only ones with literature. Give them good gospel literature. Feel free to give them literature and be sure to show them love. Think Luke 15. I mentioned it earlier. 
Here's the deal. A Jehovah's Witness will walk up and down your streets, knocking on doors in pursuit of you. What will you do in love to pursue them? So let me, let me, let me pray. God, uh, we pray for Jehovah's Witnesses, friends, family members, neighbors, co-workers, these men and women, families gathering at kingdom halls around us. God, we pray that you'd help us to lovingly pursue them with the good news of your grace. God, we pray. We, I, I just I pray, God, for future napkin conversations that might happen. And John 1.3 just opens eyes. I pray that you would use your word to open eyes to the truth and the beauty and the love of Jesus for who he is. God, please, please, please save our friends and use us toward that end. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. You can find more episodes from Secret Church and thousands of other free resources at Radical.net.